so we had our hey hey we're not so I'm not so hot this anyway that I felt like we had to just dive right in but um I'm having a backwards day I don't know who I am anymore I went to a football game today today Kyle yeah that was weird to hear you even like seeing the words yeah I have to record later right now I'm at a football game I was like who kidnapped you a friend of mine, uh, her boss has season tickets to local college football team, and today was big opening game, and she's like, y'all want to go? And I'm like, no, but fuck, human connection, right? Come on. Oh, I guess do it. And I was baked in the sun and watched people go back and forth, hitting each other, throwing a ball. And, you know, I don't, like, dislike it so much as I did when I'm younger. I'm like, I can't believe in Neanderthal. But I'm still like, yeah, I guess... I really still don't know what's happening. I know the the basic rules and the fundamentals of the game, but like, I cannot appreciate whether that guy getting around that other guy was a huge good thing or a regular good thing or whatever. But, but so that's part of it, right? I do that. But the the, the other part of it is I, I woke up not feeling good. I had a headache. I don't know why. I was ornery. I was not ready to get my day together. I made my my most frequent breakfast I have of TKG, a.k.a. Tamago Kake Gohan, a.k.a. Egg with Rice. And, uh, oh, I put too much water. I had soupy rice. Real bummer. I'm not having a good morning. And then I watch this episode, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> the ep- you mean you mean the the episode of the Big Bang Theory, the thing you were counting on turning everything around, the one thing that you're like, well, if everything else in my day is going shit, at least I can count on the antics of Sheldon Cooper to make things better for me. But Kyle, that didn't do it? No, it did. It did oh. one. Oh, I loved this stupid episode. I had okay. such a good time, and well, I, 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 feel I oh, with my pants down. But can I be honest with you? Felt the, and I know it's got to be for the same. There's only one thing that shines I, well, in this episode. I, I, well, I say two things, but there's also, I think we're in agreement on number one. <laughs> but, um, but, oh, hey, I yeah. Mean, so, I think we have a contender for the best cameo ever. In a, oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, let's just get into it. So, hey. Uh, this is the Big Bang Theory Theory. I'm Kyle. I'm Nick. And every two weeks we watch an episode of this television show. And in spite of our usual desire to talk about anything else, yeah, apparently we're having a really good time with this one, which is officially uh, titled uh, season, se- season 7, Episode 14, The Convention Conundrum. And the summary, blissfully short, on the fan wiki is, after the guys can't get tickets to Comic-Con, Sheldon tries to set up his own convention and approaches James Earl Jones to be a panelist. The girls go out to a hotel for some tea. <laughs> and, you know, that's more or less correct. So, Kyle, actually... I. Before we even get to how fucking radical James Earl Jones is, <laughs> this episode honestly immediately won me over because, you know, we've talked exhaustively <laughs> about how the, the, the totally fake nerd behaviors that these guys routinely engage in and how either it's not things nerds would actually do or just real people wouldn't do. Yada, yada, yada. Boy, aren't we cranky. Nobody and, likes our show. And yes, this one does. Yes, nobody likes our show. We're too mean to the show. But uh, no, you're right. I know what you're about to say. This yes. episode did begin with an experience that I have actually had, and I think many other nerds have had. Not exactly like this, but basically this. Where I'm it was on, stylized. I'm, it was I'm, dramatized. It, it wasn't. It, they're using laptops. Me, it was like getting up at 8 a.m. with my phone. But it was basically the same thing. No, which is just that. Yeah, the the, the boys they don't get into Comic Con, not for lack of trying, because. The intro to the episode is 
um, all four of the main boy gang, laptops in each of their laps, all in Sheldon's apartment. And, you know, at first they're counting down to what seems like it's going to be a rocket launch. Penny comes in to be like, oh, hey, everybody, I'm here to be your casual observer and remark on how ridiculous it is from a, uh, a, a third-party standpoint. And they're like, hey, shut up, we're doing this. And so uh, they, the countdown starts... And click, 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 oh god, we are trying to get through the uh, Comic-Con ticket purchasing menu so quickly. We are trained to do this. We're all going to get in and do whatever we need. But, you know, obviously, the point of this episode is it doesn't work, you know. And there's no, like, hilarious reason they don't get in. It's just it's such high demand that Which they can't. Which is a little, I mean, I guess, uh, not. this is not a complaint about the episode. This is a complaint about Comic-Con. I mean, if I were called out in a national syndicated television show that was watched by millions of people about how oh. shitty access to my convention is, that would make that would put me on notice. And Kyle, to the best of my knowledge, Comic-Con has never fixed this problem. I, I interpret this 100% the opposite which, way, which is that this is not a call-out, but this is... Free ins- advertising? Yes. This is 100% um, just a, hey, look how exclusive this is and how if you want even a chance of getting these tickets, you've got to be like these guys who quality OG nerds know that you've got to be there the moment the queue starts. And so, you know, kind of a it increase the the artificial scarcity so everyone puts themselves in that position. Um, yeah, I don't know. And nerds will put up with it because they'll just eat whatever slop you give them. Uh, that said, um, I did think that was one of the more realistic nerd moments. And Penny, her reactions, while not remarkable, were actually, you know, she's like, oh, this is sad. Oh, now it's sad for a different reason. Now it's sad for the first reason. Um, and so that's all fine. But then what what happens is we have an A, B, and C plot. The A plot is fine. It is the three nerds sans Sheldon are like, okay, we're going to scalp tickets. And Sheldon is like that, you know, you could get banned for life. That's a crime. I'm obviously a big fussy goody two-shoes, and I'm out. I'm going to start my own convention. And they're like, all right, well, go be a loser. We're going to be cool bad boys. Long story short, doesn't work out. They they wait until the moment that the guy who scalped the tickets arrives at Leonard's door, and they just close, uh, they, they lock the door, turn off the lights. That effectively resolves A plot. <laughs> um, B plot is... The the well you know let's let's get around them and just go C plot first which is the ladies are like <laughs> you dorks we're gonna go be sophisticates and have a fancy tea party which they do and they're like oh hey this is populated almost exclu- wherever they they go the the, the tea house or whatever and it's like, um populated exclusively by like eight year olds and they're like oh god this is stupid like. We, we pretend we're more adult, and look, now we're in a more childlike environment than even our nerdy boyfriends are. And so they gripe. They go get drinks at the nearby bar. Kyle, you, we're going to say something? Or... Oh, I was just going to say it's a rookie mistake. Everybody, if the first thing you check when you're signing up for a brunch ed- outing is whether they, it serves alcohol. And if, you, and if it doesn't, you know it's for kids. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm going to admit, I'm, <laughs> I, mean, I can't really remember how that part resolves other than them being like oh yeah i guess we it should just, have more fun yeah it well it leads to them sitting around the bar uh having a 
not really like particularly realistic, but sort of a conversation you see in a lot of TV shows about what it means to be an adult and when are you sufficiently grown up and like, yeah, yeah. should they all take steps to get their shit together? Ted Mosby on How I Met Your Mother would have this conversation with the other characters like once every three episodes for the span of like eight seasons. And frankly, it was my least favorite thing about his character and possibly that whole show. So this was not bad because they're, this is, I think, the first time they've ever, like, said, hey, are we being a little juvenile? So I'll let it pass. But, uh, you know, that was basically, well, I think, all they talked about. And if I'm remembering, I'm starting to think maybe, like, the, the joke that capped all that off was Amy kind of bemoaning, like, yeah, I don't feel like in a real woman at all. I've never even been with a man. And Bernadette says, oh, yeah, well, you know, it doesn't being with a ma- it's not being with a man that means you're all- otherwise <laughs> Penny would be older than all of us. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one of the jokes. My favorite joke, though, that happened is everybody keeps thinking that Bernadette it- because, again, it's a children's tea party. Yes. So and, when they and Bernadette show up, looks like four foot eleven or whatever. Right. I mean, they don't, you know, actually, it would have been so much better if they'd actually showed them having this interaction with like a waiter or something. But it's still funny on its face because she's like, I can't believe yeah. everyone here has assumed that I'm Penny's daughter. We got James L. Jones on this episode. You think we're paying anyone else to talk, Kyle? That's right. It probably was a little bit expensive to get James Earl Jones. Yeah. And, you know, let's get to that. Because the best cameo I have ever fucking seen on this show. He's incredible. And so Sheldon, in in what is essentially the main plot, does try to put his own convention together to to spite Comic-Con. And... It's not going well, predictably. There's no, like, great joke about it. He is just going through whatever massive list of every sci-fi celebrity he can possibly think of and striking out. But, um, you know, Leonard checks in, asks him, how it's, how's it going? And he's like, hey, you're never going to believe this. I um, have pieced together from uh, some of <laughs> James Earl Jones' recent activity combined with older interviews to suss out that he will be eating at his favorite sushi restaurant tonight. And so I, um, adorably unaware of how creepy of a stalker I appear, am going to go ask him face-to-face whether he will be a part of my convention. And yeah, so there are a couple jokes about him being stalker, yada yada. But then he actually follows through. Yeah, can we just, can I just do my best impression of this scene? Please do. It's not going to be great. Uh, cause it's, I can't don't undersell it. I believe in you. There's a reason he gets paid the big bucks for this. And, and, and it subverts because look, can we also, does anyone have a scarier voice than James Earl Jones? Well, I mean, it definitely could be. I mean, no, I just, let me, let me rephrase. Like if J maybe it's not a contest, but if James Earl Jones were yelling at you, you would probably want to cry. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because that sounds like you see it coming out of his mouth, but you're like, surely this comes from God. Right. (laughs) It's like Mufasa is yelling at me right now. He's disappointed in me and he is angry in me and I've let everyone down. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's a good shot because we, we were from James Earl Jones's POV and he's looking at his menu and then he looks over the top of his menu and there's Sheldon just standing there grinning at him saying nothing. Mm -hmm. He goes, let me guess. You're one of those people who like Star Wars. And Sheldon nods, uh-huh. He's like, I've been in dozens of other plays and movies and won awards for acting, but you don't care about any of that, do you? 
Sheldon shakes his head no. And he goes, you only like Star Wars. Is that right? Sheldon nods. And he goes, well, guess what? I like Star Wars, too. Dun, 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 dun. Excellent episode from here on out. (laughs) It's just like his whole face lights up. He's like, fuck yeah, man. Come have a seat. Let's talk. Let's jam. That they got James Earl Jones in the first place, I think, is remarkable. That James Earl Jones is like, I'm just going to eat ham for days. <laughs> you want me to be on your little television show? I'll have is- fun with the skinny man. <laughs> it's like a, there's an anecdote, which I love. Uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, but it's uh, this is about nick cage and he was he was doing the in the spider-verse movie and he was giving a a pretty good performance but they were like we don't exactly know how to ask you this but you know you're known for giving a certain type of could you just put a little more of like you know shine on it and he looks at them and he goes oh you want the full cage And then proceeds to just knock it out of the park. I just love the – I think at James Earl Jones, it was probably a very similar conversation. He's like, so do you want me to do this with sensitive – no? Oh, you want the full yeah. James Earl Jones. Well, You and, got it. Well, and the way he leans in is like, you know, it's, it, it's an actual pleasing um, defying of expectations. Because, you know, a thousand times out of a hundred – you will see anyone react to Sheldon with, at best, indifference and usual, like, annoyance or, like, spitefulness. But James Earl Jones, yeah, he's just, like, you know, in character at least, just so genuinely happy to see a fan. And that Sheldon, too, is, like, enamored. And that they, I mean, they basically just go on a date, but there's no, like weird frustrating cutting side to it it's just they're having a great time and every moment like it's like james earl jones is like eating a sunday with him just like oh well, we're having a good, 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 good the best time out of hudson's and sheldon is yeah, he asking doesn't him eat a, he goes zoom oh yeah he, 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 he does the airplane but into his own mouth because he's so excited about it and sheldon is asking him like you know this series of like wrote questions about his history and Star Wars interactions, and James Earl Jones is like, "Yes, yes, I genuinely never tire of these inquiries." Yes, and it's like, "Thanks, man, dude, what a positive vibe." <laughs> oh, and um, you know, to get to there's something I was a little concerned about, but then ultimately really enjoyed, which was, oh, I can't remember how it originally comes up, but it's like the the other nerds. When they're going back and forth about whether they, they want to commit to being bad boys and, and buying these scalp tickets, um, it, I think it somehow it comes up from Wallowitz about Carrie Fisher be like, oh, yeah, but she's kind of crazy. And at first I was like, you know, I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but it seems a little mean spirited. And then later in the date between um, Sheldon and James Earl Jones, they do a, a ding dong ditch at Carrie Fisher's house, and James Earl Jones is like, hey, Sheldon, you better get a head start with running because let me tell you, she's a little crazy. I was like, I really hope Carrie Fisher signed off on this at this point. This feels weird. And sure enough, Carrie Fisher comes out, you know, not looking crazy, but not not that crazy, you know? like She looks like a normal Carrie Fisher carrying a baseball bat, and I'm like, oh, God, you know what? I'm 100% back on board again. This is great. And yeah, I do think in, in the show, I mean, I never defend the show, but I do think this was probably during that time period where Carrie Fisher was making 
uh, sort of a comeback, and she yeah. was. She, this may have even been like around the time one of her books came out, where she was she was spending a lot of time writing and going on tour and stuff with the express purpose, like I know I'm very famous. I also have a ton of mental illness, and so and I'm gonna you know tell a bunch of funny stories, but also do a little bit of public education about what it's like living with deep deep mental illness as yes. a rich famous person. So she kind of owned that vibe. Well, yeah, and that's that's what I was happy about because, like, I do know that she herself has been very open about it, and like you said, owned it. I was just initially concerned that, yeah, they were just kind of riffing on on her ordeals. Another, but again, I know it's the magic of his voice, right? It's not any. It's well, it is. It is something amazing, which is why he, you know, he's one of the world's most famous and noticeable actors. But I also know that it's just—it's so weird. He like because she's like, "It's not funny anymore, James," and you just hear from the distance. Then why am I still laughing? Ah ha 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 ha! It's like yeah. ah. No, it's great. Everything he says, they're on top of a fucking Ferris wheel. And he's like, I'm... And Sheldon's like, I'm on a Ferris wheel with James Earl Jones, and I'm having a great time. And James Earl Jones is like, I am too. You know what? It's it's like James Earl Jones is magic. It's like he's Totoro in this episode. It's just like Sheldon's like fucking magical best friend, and it's great. Well, it's something that I will say is, is high praise uh, is that this reminded me of another relationship from another show I really like, which was when um, in Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David meets Salman Rushdie. And it's because there's a, a fatwa put out on Larry David. And so he's like, oh, I should consult with Salman Rushdie about what it's like to live in in secret and out of the public eye because of a, a bounty on your head. And so he meets with Salman Rushdie and Salman Rushdie is immediately like, Hey, you want to know what? Um, uh, women love danger, and so I don't even let it bother me. Let's go out and meet <laughs> some babes, Larry. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's like within 30 seconds, I'm like, I 100% believe in Salman Rushdie, notorious pussy hound. And just like here, like, you know, you know who James Earl Jones is. You have a general idea of what he's like. But just that immediate turnaround of, I love Star Wars too. And you're like, yeah, we're getting it today. <laughs> and it, it even goes, like, they don't show it, but there's the, they even took it the step further that I thought was really good, which is it's never sinister. No. Basically, by the end, Sheldon is tired because James yes. Earl Jones just loves life so much that it's a little, it's starting to tire Sheldon out. They've, they apparently, after the Ferris wheel and the karaoke, you know, they went out to the strip club and they've been in the and and then we cut to them in a sauna and James Earl Jones is talking about you know p- pool wrestling Marlon Brando uh chicken fighting with B- Bo and Jeff Bridges on their shoulders mm-hmm. and and Sheldon is like I just don't know how much more I have in me and, yeah and yeah James him Earl Jones is like I could do this all day well and I like too that Sheldon himself never gets like irritated or mean or anything he he is just like genuinely exhausted by um his 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 hero tuckering him out with too much joie de vivre um it's oh, lovely is, we should say that's how the episode or at least that's how that arc ends is he's oh like, well it's like, how they tie it all together a little right. nicely but yeah yeah they're uh Sheldon's like um he's like oh i meant to ask you all night i'm doing this I was planning on starting this convention. I wanted you to be, uh, you know, part of it. I don't know if that's really something you can do. And uh, 
he's like, because we couldn't get into Comic-Con. He's like, you couldn't get into Comic-Con? Well, why don't you just come with me to Comic-Con? My treat. You and your friends. Which is, again, an awesome thing to offer. And they're mm-hmm. like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, and you know, San Diego is right across the border from my favorite place in the whole world, Tijuana. <laughs> and Sheldon gives a little, ay, ay, ay. To which uh, James Earl Jones <laughs> responds with, ay, 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 bang, bang. <laughs> Just everything the man says is magic. He doesn't miss once this whole episode. <laughs> no, he's great. Yeah, and it's like. You know, you keep just waiting. I don't know. It, my general cynicism or my reasonable reaction to this show is like, all right, well, when does some when does it fall apart? And it doesn't. It just he's just he's he's great. Their thing totally works. Yeah, like and you know what? Like the the, the you know, I guess it is more the B plot with the scalped tickets. I don't hate it. I didn't love it. I think there was like just enough balance of it that I was like, okay, other things are happening that the other character is involved, and now we're back to the good stuff, baby. So, yeah, it worked for me. Um, far from a perfect episode for those reasons, you know, like the other plots just do not compare. But no, um, yeah, James Earl Jones has shined so brightly and I think actually worked really well with Sheldon. So, yeah, thank you, James Earl Jones, for carrying this whole episode on your back like goddamn Atlas. Yeah, a real, a real professional, what, a real star. They paid him, it wasn't enough. Yeah, well, ah. Uh, just lovely. So, Kyle, anything else about the actual episode you want to talk about then? No. Okay. Well, if we want to just like go right into our recommendations then, um I have like I have a couple like partial recommends that I was going to bang out. No no big one you got to do it thing. So I can do that or if you've got one, feel free to go first. Uh, I'll go I so it feels weird to recommend a podcast that is How dare much you? More popu- that is much more popular than our podcast. Uh, so it's just like, if you're into podcasts, chances are you've already heard of this podcast. But recently I discovered uh, uh, this podcast called Ruined, which okay. I really like. I'm, I, I mean, I just love the premise of it. And then it is, it is pretty well done, uh, all of the episodes that I've listened to so far. And the premise of Ruined are just, they're these, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, Two friends, two women, who I think are both professional writers in, like, L.A., um, TV writers. And uh, during COVID, they, you know, they had nothing to do and they couldn't go outside. So they started this podcast based around the fact that one of them loves horror movies and the other can't stand watching horror movies, but is always very curious about what happens in them. So literally every episode is just one person describing in really, frankly, like praiseworthy uh, detail, like scene for scene, sometimes shot for shot, complete with like commentary and guesses that what the thematic nuance might be. Just like every bit of a horror movie that she's seen and the other friend just listening and providing like color and being like, oh, my God, his head does what? Jesus. Yeah, you don't want to see that. No, that would be really scary if I were watching it. But it sounds kind of cool. <laughs> and that's literally, that's the whole show. It's they, you know, they chat. She tells her, she describes a different horror movie. Uh, and then her friend's like, yeah, awesome. Never going to watch that. That sounds fun. <laughs> it does like sound, that. right? Well, and it's like, because I have friends who, and it freaks me out that people do this. 
you know, it's like, well, I'm not sure I want to see that movie, so I'll just read the synopsis or the whole summary, and I'm like, but don't, if you're not sure, that means you might watch it someday, right? And so you're just gonna, you're just gonna settle for this, but, you know, I forget that there are also cases like with horror movies that, yeah, someone might be interested in the plot, but too much of a weenie. Too much of a, I had a real bad time at Hereditary, even though I was happy to be with my friend Nick kind of vibe. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you've, you've admitted to it on here. It was a loving jab. I, I was happy to be there with you, but you, I remember you didn't enjoy it. And I also remember the time, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned a couple of times, I took a friend to see Cabin in the Woods, because I was like, this is going to be funny, scary. And then she just had an awful, awful time. <laughs> Not funny enough, scary. No, no, uh, no, no. Um, but that, yeah. So it's good that I've I haven't listened to every episode by far. Most of the episodes I listened to were ones that I I had seen the movies of, so I can I can give props to like the level of detail in the um in the recreations. And frankly, at least one time, like they did the what what's it called? Not interview audition which is a movie I know oh, I will never I, be able to watch. That's and the I was one like, that I'm on the fence about. I was like, you know, hearing this described is great. I love, so it even, even at first, it's like, yeah, I feel much happier knowing what happened in Audition without having to ever watch Audition. Well, I might check this out because uh, I'm a big horror movie fan and I've got no problem watching them on my own, but, you know, I, I like the idea of just trying to describe to someone who can't handle it the, like... There, there are so many people, and we've we talked about it on the show. But what, what a great time! I thought *Malignant* was, um, and I, friends who will never watch that because the idea of any yeah. sort of gore will just make them pass out. They've definitely. I haven't listened to that episode yet, but that's in my queue. They de- they do *Malignant*. Hell yeah! Uh, so they'd actually. It makes me it, like not horror movie, but I'm wondering if there's some incredibly. I feel like we could copy this format for something else, some like long form anime or like incredibly dense. Like, just, I mean, this is basically a little bit of what we do anyway at the end of every episode, but just find something that's not so obviously bogarting their territory. But like, what's something that, you know, Nick or Kyle, the other person knows a lot about that the other person is curious about, but is never going to put in the amount of time necessary to, uh, to experience it firsthand. I like that. We mansplain to each other. Yeah, that's would call it mansplaining. That's probably yeah. That'll be another that. show where people will look it up, not realize that it is basically about the opposite of what the title says, and leave a lot of angry reviews. How could it fail? <laughs> yeah, no, I support that because you know we're not we're not here to win. We're here to be mad that we're not winning. So, um, and we're doing a great job of that. I don't know. I think you know. I I think. In spite of, again, bare minimum effort into this podcast, people still listen to us. It's great. Hey, people that are listening, thanks, you freaks. Thanks. That's as much engagement as I'm going to give you. But it's ruined was the name again, by the way. Is that yes. right? Okay. So I, uh, I'm i going to narrow mine down, actually, because there's like a few things I've liked, you know, which I've really loved. But I'm going to recommend something that is bad. But because it awoke something inside of me that like rekindled the 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 joy I remember I can get from a, like a a bad movie, which is I watched last night. I was just bored. Um, I, I went to the Spirit Halloween store last night and I was like, I don't feel inspired. I don't know. 
This isn't making me feel adequately spooky. And I had, a, I had a miserable week at work. And so I was, I was feeling genuinely bummed out, looking for some passive entertainment. Uh, and I was like, Spawn is leaving HBO, huh? <laughs> Spawn. 1997 Spawn. I'll watch that. I remember when I was 13 thinking it was passable. And Kyle, have you ever seen this film? Uh, uh, oh, 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 okay. I was confused because I thought you were about to talk about the relatively underrated but bizarre animated TV show. Spawn. No, you're, which you're, you're, which you're talking about the Michael, is it Michael J. White? In that yes. Movie? And, uh, uh, John Leguizamo plays the violator. Johnny legs. He's in it. Dancing. You know, during my during my the period of my life when I was obsessed with all comic book adaptations, no matter how shitty, which was basically most of it. This up so basically before the Marvel movies came and turned all culture into comic books. If you were into comic book stuff and they made an adaptation, you basically felt like it was your job to go see it. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, eight year old me I think saw Spawn like four times, which was probably not great. But uh, but yes, I am. I definitely remember. Uh, I remember the plot. I remember the CGI, which goes from passable to awful at like a drop of a hat. Well, uh, so I I I, I want to focus on that for just a moment here because this movie is a brutal visual assault. <laughs> It is the credits themselves. The opening credits are so long and nightmarish. It's it's like the title credits from the film Seven were sent through the portal that they create in. Um, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of the the uh, Event Horizon, the the Hellscape portal. It's just, it just, it, oh, it looks so terrible in addition. It's like, dark, scary, hellfire, shaky, scratchy, gah, gah, gah. and it's, it just looks like garbage. And that's most of the movie. And the reason I, I, I jumped in to emphasize this part is because this was put together primarily by like visual effects specialists. This, the, the, the letters ILM are attached to this production, Kyle. And it's, awful it's like i i can't remember exactly where we were at in 1997 but this stands out as remarkably bad and at the same time something that they were so incredibly proud of and yeah i was reading about it on wikipedia after i watched it and yeah i guess the the number of visual effects scenes kept ballooning to where it was like double or quadruple the initial plan for uh, that and effectively doubled the budget and they put like so much effort into cranking it out that the final effects shots were being completed like within the week that the movie was releasing like they were just slapping it together to get it out the door and it shows and but the thing is is like you can I feel like watching it like that it doesn't feel to me anyway like it was something that like people were phoning in. It, it feels like earnestly bad, and that's the reason I'm recommending it. It's like I don't think Michael J. White at any point is like I'm above this or this is stupid. I feel like he was pretty psyched to play Spawn, and 
Spawn is such like a bizarrely like of its time comic in its attitude. And even as little as I know about it, I know that you can't do a PG-13 version of it, which is what they do. And so instead of having like there's actually one scene, it's 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 hilarious in how unimpactful it is. It's like Spawn is finally getting his initial powers and breaking into some armory so he can get every gun known to man. And he, you know, with his chains of flailing and his his knife hands glistening and his cape flowing out all around him, he descends grisly and ghouly upon an unsuspecting pair of security guards. Oh, what will happen? They'll be dragged unconscious into the next scene and left alone. Like, why? why what did, did he hit them? Did he do it? Wow. And it's not like I need gratuitous violence, but that's what spawned is. It's it's a spooky man from hell fighting angels with like machine guns in the comics. It's the mid nineties personified. Yes. Yes. It's like, so that that's exactly right. And it's so hard to describe it because it's embarrassing and it's correct. It's, it's like adult power Rangers with blood. It's just hard to, it's yeah, it's, well, and after watching the movie, I, mean, I even did the, even the fucking like the character was always basically like, what if Venom and Ghost Rider had a baby? Like, yes. it's just like. And so after after I did watch the movie last night, I, I went and watched just a little bit of the animated show, which I was happy to see is still on HBO. And so I'm going to probably follow and finish that. But that's also hilarious because I think so. It All of this is the brainchild of Todd McFarlane and. For the first episode, at least, of the Spawn animated series, he introduces it. And he um, very much wants to be that mid-90s cool. And also very much stands out exactly why I'm so glad we are no longer there. Of Midwestern dorks trying to be dark and mysterious. Because he like he's trying to talk all serious to the camera, but it's he's got his thick accent and it's like... Hey, buddy, you want to see something really fucked up? What if you had to make a real difficult decision because you were torn between losing your soul and losing your love? Well, hey, I'm Todd McFarlane. I'm here to tell you it's going to get real around here, so you better turn off your gosh darn lights and get ready to get spoked. And it's like, why are you cute? You're cute. Like, you should be wearing overalls and eating hay. Like, what is this? Um... It, it, that is much better by I like to, I will watch more of the animated series because it is I think kind of overlooked in in the art style at the very least is radical. He does. Uh, I mean, at the very least, I, I, that. So I don't. I have very clear recollections of like and not why. This is just one that you know. Sometimes when you were a kid uh, and your parents had HBO, you would just stay up too late and yes. then you would see things that you were not supposed to see. Uh, Keith and, David things. Yeah. Well, even no, I remember catching like the double feature was Oz and Spawn back to back. Like <laughs> I remember very clearly those time slots were like one right after the other. Yeah. So, this is you, the hard nineteen year old time slot. Yeah. So Oz, which was a incredibly graphic, realistic look at prison, and then yeah, Spawn, where he's like putting his fist through people's like chests and stuff. Uh they shouldn't know. I mean, my the thing I most remember being disappointed, and I, I shouldn't have because it's totally fair. It's just like they couldn't do the cape because the cape was just too complicated for like 
I mean, he he has the cape in like half a scene in that movie, but for most of it, he does not have the cape. And I get why, because that cape was like way beyond the capabilities of, it would probably be a bitch to animate now, but it definitely feels like them uh, trying to do too much too yes. early. Well, I think there's a case of that because uh, there are scenes with the cape and it is always like, oh yeah, that's where all the money went. But it's so cheesy at the same time and so sparse in its production design where, you know, you're going into these big bases and things look like so cheap and cartoony and like TV movie quality. And that's usually not stuff that like stands out too much to me, but it was really noticeable how we get just like how cheap everything looks. And also I was thinking again from the Wikipedia, I guess I didn't realize it's part of the, uh, the hype about this movie. I think this was like the first big black superhero movie. Um, I think at about maybe later that year, the next year blade came out. And what I think sets these things to what's it sets these two movies, a galaxy apart is the, the charisma of their, <laughs> of their stars. <laughs> because oh, yeah. I feel like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, finish what you're saying. Oh, I so I feel like, because I feel like, so they, they, they're both like kind of using, you know, the affectations you would of like, I don't know, a youngish black man in the late nineties is trying to make these guys who are like dark, gritty superheroes at the same time, seem kind of like fun and cool. And Wesley Snipes can pull it off. He can make a fun face or give you like a fuck. Yeah. Or whatever. And you buy into it. But like when Michael J. White has these just dog shit CGI green open wounds all over him, and he's got his his patchy burnt makeup face, and all and the he's wo- doing the I, and again not his fault, but they're making him do the my vocal cords were burnt voice. Well, that and those vocal cords are him like trying to smile, and he's like, oh, damn! It's like Spawn, you look, you sound ridiculous. <laughs> like this is you you are back on this earth because. You are in eternal pain and suffering as you are trying to forget who you were to lead these hellish armies or whatever dumb shit. And you are not, as fun as it would be, the kind of guy who looks down at your own magical powers and is like, whoa, it's ugh. So, I don't know. And I love Michael J. White, but I think... I don't think he was ripe yet. <laughs> I think he was. Well, it's, not, it's just yeah, and he was hindered by all of those effects. I think, and that I can't imagine was, what it was like to act in all that shit too. That looks miserable. I, mean, I, I just I think these movies. Uh, you know, even today, I just feel like to this day, there's just an argument to be made that CGI has never actually replaced practical effects in terms of just how good it looks. It's just we just got used to things looking kind of like shittier and cgi and it's like our brains i mean cgi did get better but also we just like stopped expecting things to look as good as like you know the textured like fuck you know because here's a movie that i here's another b movie that i would contrast that is not great but just an interesting contrast to spawn i think about did you ever see either guyver or guyver 2 well, so no, but oddly enough, I was thinking, I, so I've still never seen them. I was thinking about them last night, though, because I was like, I, just from stills I've seen, those look like they do such a better job of making a spooky, juicy, yeah, techno-organic exactly. man than this movie does. Exactly. I mean, I'm not those, I I really can't recommend the plot of those movies. They also have, like, really shitty B-movie, like, sort of, uh, 
I mean, not even B movie. It's just like a lot of silly um, acting and choices in them. But yeah, in terms of the fucking design, the monsters look great. His fucking armor looks dank and weird and gross. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, it's otherwise that it's, you know, it's a... It's a very similar vibe they're going for, which is a slightly campy but like ultra violent, you know, like kids, but now kids plot, but now for adults aesthetic in live action, and it works so much better. Yeah, it's it's surprising how. Again, it's it looks like more so than any actual traditional director, it was visual effects guys wanting to do what ultimately turned into some sort of like VFX demo reel. And so you get this, but none of it looks good. Like, well, not none of it. There are very few special, like when Spawn is fully decked out. Oh, and you know, to, to describe the basic plot here, uh, the CIA guys, oh, he's a killer, but he gets sent to hell and burnt up and has to come back. And it's like, hey, you made a deal when you were in hell that you don't remember, but either you have to become a super cool hell guy or you're going to be even more eternally damned, I guess. That's your struggle. By the way, um, there's angels and demons, and they're all fucking love leather and explosions and farts. Because it's, yeah, the mid-90s. To, to quickly summarize that just miasma of horrible visual effects is there's a couple shots of Spawn when he's got his cape and his chains, and he's, like, taking up the whole screen that, like, look kind of like a good full page comic panel um and those two seconds do not make up for the other hour 38 minutes and 56 seconds that you have to get through to see those two shots because yeah john leguizemo uh plays the clown who's also this you know evil demon and in a comic book makes so much more sense as some sort of semi-mystical evil entity but that if you were to see in the real world, you would immediately shit your pants because no one has those proportions, those kind of teeth, or well, you know what else? Casual magical powers. But that's another thing that in the film, they have John Leguizamo, like, looking like a real chode in this, like, twice as wide as he is tall fat suit. And he does not look human. And he's not supposed to from the comics, but when he's interacting with, like, there's a scene where... Like, he's in his full evil clown makeup after having been in slightly less scary traditional clown makeup at a birthday party. And he's like, I'm here to fucking put dildos in all your butts. And this, like, four-year-old is like, I recognize you for my birthday party. And it's like, four-year-old, your brain isn't going to work after this experience. I'm sorry. Like... If you are reacting normally to this, I guess it's because your weird fucking CIA fucked up parents must have already put you through all the blackest training they could when you were a toddler. Because this is objectively horrifying. And then, on top of that, it just looks like shit. So, it's it's just... Yeah, it just doesn't work, any of it. And But, like, it's fun to watch in the way that, like... I feel like it so obviously doesn't work that it's bizarre to think that people making it at the time... After, like, any day of shooting or any shot, we're like, we got that one. That was the one. It just, it, to, it, to me, it really feels like, we're all doing our best. Let's have fun, everybody. Okay, we don't know any of the shit works. And, oh, we just got to crank it out. We'll all have a carrot cake at the end of the day. And that's how you get spawned. You know, it's, I'm looking it up now because I couldn't help it. I uh, It actually did manage to make its money back. Mm, yeah, I think it was fairly is- successful. 
Yeah, I mean, not critically, no. No. But yeah, but no, it made its money back. But it was also it was also made on a production budget of forty to forty five million dollars, which is insane to think about by today. Like you do not superhero movies like you don't go right. out of bed to make a superhero movie for well, less than a hundred million dollars and again i believe that is the ballooned budget it was supposed to be half that before they really cranked up the vfx stuff so um yeah not only ridiculous in its full budget but yeah the idea that they would try to make any movie for any fraction of that is insane but so that's why we just have to all collectively stop watching superhero movies i guess but um, so yeah, yeah. this is about it is the weirdest thing about this whole era that we've been in where everything gets made. It's that no, I, I know they've tried, they've tried like multiple times, but just the fact that we never came back around to Spawn, that Spawn was like, I mean, and I can I know, I don't know, Nick, because you were Pro- not production that. hell is what I read in Wikipedia, yeah. but continue. Because I know you even worked at, like, I think a comic book shop at sure. a certain point in your life. But it is just hard to explain to people who were not around then just how big Spawn was in the 90s. Like, as we all look back and we're like, oh, yeah, this was this is ridiculous fucking well, shit. I, but it, it, it is, was, like, inescapable. And it's so hard to describe its success because it's not, like... I, I, I haven't read enough of it. I can't tell you if it's bad or, like, not worth its popularity or whatever. I have. It's it's not... Well, I, I hear it's ask fine. me about it sometime. Yeah, but, like... Yeah, so as someone that wasn't into comics at the time Spawn was coming out, it was like, okay, basically you've got your superheroes, which are your Marvels and DC, and then you got your cute Archie kid stuff and whatever, and then there's... What's this, there's this weird independent studio... And what, this guy, oh, he's a spooky demon from hell? Oh, and he's dressed all badass in a big... Re- oh, he's got fucking machine guns? What is... And people are bleeding? Oh, but it's fun, too. It's like a music video, and it's all spooky. God, yeah. Ooh, boy. There is no 13-year-old that will not identify this, or, like, no 17-year-old that should stop identifying with this, or a 39-year-old who looks and says, I honestly still think this shit's pretty cool. But it just, it doesn't make sense. It's so, it's so cheesy, but it's also trying to be, like, at the time, so self-serious and badass. It is, it is something, it is very heavy metal in that same, in, like, the literal, in, like, the Metallica sort of, like, yes, Iron Man, it's like, we know this is over the top. But isn't it just kind of fun just how we refuse to back down from how over the top it is? And we're always trying to yeah. figure out how to make it more over the top. Well, you say it's that. Actually, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, the whole premise makes more sense if you sing it as, like, heavy metal lyrics. You know, like, man from the government, sent down to the pit. He's coming back. He's got his chains and his whips, and he's not going to quit. He's spawned. Hellspawn! He's the Hellspawn! And you say it like that, and you're like, oh, I'd put up with that for at least three and a half minutes. But, yeah, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, it's... And it is... It's interesting to follow the the comic book because like we just uh so in more recent news there was a very successful relaunch of venom uh that was basically just a giant love letter to spawn and how like like basically the guy writing it it was just like yeah i really like spawn in the 90s spawn has not been good for a long time but i basically took venom and i tried to tell the type of stories that i liked in spawn and it was great and it was also very epic and then uh similarly uh yeah you just see you know there's like 
cosmic ghost rider which is basically somebody asked hey what if ghost rider were also the punisher and also had the powers of like the silver surfer and <laughs> it's like it's like yes we get it. okay we're back online but i was gonna say the most self-serious version of this is uh the guy who actually drew spawn after todd mcfarlane was a guy named greg capullo and he went on to write with oh god not not Zack snyder uh scott snyder scott snyder uh, and they wrote like this incredibly critically acclaimed Batman run, which is just again uh, like Batman but heavy metal. Like the Joker in that version, like uh, cut he he's tired of people faking his or I can't remember what happens to him, but basically he ends up with his own face cut off, and then he staples his cut off face to like the rotting visage that's underneath it. So he's just walking around with like a rotting smiley face, like stapled stapled to like his. Uh, gaping wounds and and flies all around him it was like yeah this is this is fun in limited doses all right so we let's let's are we concluding by recommending spooky metal joker is that where we're at yeah i mean yeah that's a pretty good run on batman court of owls that's that if that's oh, where that, I like story that name came from and you can just go from there i was also going to say uh my one my one nitpick with Todd McFarlane is he was is he lies about like what he was going for because now if you ask him he was like no Spawn was never intended to be like anything like a superhero comic it was always like a straight horror comic it's like hey hey buddy hey Todd that's true can I ask you one question why's he got the fucking cape Todd why's he got that cape why's he got the big Batman cape if it's supposed to be a spooky horror monster why does he look like glam Castlevania Dracula with a mask and a cape I'm glad you said glam, because that's a word that has been attached to my image of him. Is like I wasn't like glam rock, but definitely the, glam the style. Metal. Glam metal, yeah. for sure, yeah. Spawn. But you know what? This is another thing I'll say. Uh, John Leguizamo, consummate professional. Is I'm sure he was exactly as disgusting and obnoxious as he was supposed to be, and so I... Yeah. Never blame John Leguizamo for the movies he's in. He always he he shows up, he gets paid, he turns in the best performance he can give. Loved him in Super Mario movie. Loved him in yeah. Spawn. He just he does what you, you give him the money, much like James Earl Jones in this episode oh, of Big oh, Bang. Thanks Theory. for bringing it back. I feel good again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. What a great appearance. Yeah, you know that was this few years ago. I don't know what he's up to now, but I think. This is we're wrapping up here. I think we should all just I don't wanna I don't wanna like cause problems or anything, but everyone just try to get yourself a little James Earl Jones. I'm gonna be looking out for him myself. You know, I don't I don't wanna say that this episode has to be a hundred percent reliable representation of him, but it seems he's at least open to just dining with strangers, and so let's all go out there and go jonesing for some Jones. <laughs>